Church family, good morning and happy Easter. Happy Easter. You're a little slow on the uptake there. No? <laughs> Try that again. Happy Easter. Welcome to our 8.30 worship service on this uh, most glorious of Sundays. It's good to worship together. We know many are joining us online. We welcome you as well. Uh, friends, uh, it, it's so good to be together. Uh, be generous to folks around you. They'll be hunting seats as the day, as the morning proceeds. Um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Let us be in an attitude of worship. so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone was rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But Go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, as he told you.
us raise our voices with the call to worship. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia.
us gladly join our voices with the Apostles' Creed, which is found in your hymnal on page 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Church, I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is John chapter 20, beginning with the first verse. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still <laughs> dark, and saw that the, tomb had been take, the stone had been taken away from the tomb. As Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, she stopped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Saying this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and said to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I can see his face better than the rest of you, but uh, Dr. Floyd is having uh, too much fun <laughs> this morning. At the uh, YWCA uh, fundraising breakfast uh, a couple weeks back, uh, the keynote speaker, Dr. John Jackson, told a story about an older, uh, wealthy man married a young, beautiful bride. He was jealous by nature. Uh, as he was dying, he pulled her close to the bedside and said, please bury me with my money. She said, why? He said, I, I can't bear the thought of you marrying some other younger guy after I'm gone and spending my money. She said, promise. She said, I, I promise. I will bury you with your money. So he died, and she came with her girlfriend who knew about the promise uh, to the funeral home. The casket was open, and she reached in her purse, and she put an envelope in there with him. Her friend said, girl, you're not keeping that promise, are you? She said, oh, yeah, I am. Uh, but I wrote him a check. <laughs> Which raises the question, what happens to us when we die? What do we take with us? Lisa and I on Wednesday night had the great privilege of going to the home of Rabbi Michael Wolk and his wife Heidi and their children and had the Passover Seder with them. And the highlight of the Passover Seder comes when the youngest child uh, rises, uh, not, not to cry and be taken out of the room, but the youngest child rises and asks, why is this night special above all of the nights? Why is this day special? Why is this week special above all of the nights? I mean, what's Easter about? Is it just like, well, when you die, you don't really die, you automatically live on, it's kind of the way God honors a life that's well lived. 
People say things like, oh, if anybody deserved to go to heaven, it was Brother Bob. But nobody deserves. It's not about deserving. It's not like God's merit badge on us, is it? I think about Tammy Faye Baker who said, I think heaven's going to be, you know, like a shopping mall and I'll have a credit card with no limit. You know, to me, a shopping mall, that's my idea of hell. I don't, I don't, I don't know. We have enough self-indulgence in uh, this life. Um, what's it about? One of the surprising things I learned in seminary, we're going to do a little series on this this summer, video series, surprising things I learned in seminary. One is this, is that the Bible doesn't teach the immortality of the soul. You have a soul that just lives on forever. The Bible teaches not just the resurrection of the body. The Bible also teaches that God isn't just going to say, people, God's going to redeem all of creation. <laughs> like, it's mind-boggling. God always does more than we could even fathom or even wish for. When God redeems all of creation, we see it in this story. There is an embrace in the Bible's Easter story of, of doubt and confusion. It's not that bad to doubt or to be confused. Uh, the first, uh, first uh, followers of Jesus, they, they don't come that morning singing hymns with the brass and well-dressed, ready to celebrate Easter. They're, they're confused, they're sad, they're forlorn. They come. Uh, Mary peeks in. The body's not there. She suspects it's a thief. You know how they know it wasn't a thief? The, uh, the, the grave clothes are all folded up nicely. Like, thieves don't do that, like, if they're robbing a body. And you like, did Jesus, like, did his mother teach him to make his bed before he left? I love that moment. I thought it was a funny moment, personally. She peeks in, and uh, there's an angel at the head and at the feet. I've never thought about this before. The commentator, David Ford, says that that's like the cherubim in the Jerusalem temple on either side of the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies seems to be an empty space, but that's actually God is in that empty space between these two angels. Like he's not there, but there's this new kind of presence of Jesus, which means that, gosh, the risen Jesus is all about empty places those empty places in your gut, those empty places in your life's story, the not yets of your life, the emptiness that you feel for all those reasons. God is there. Uh, how do we figure God out? Uh, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal this morning about who is Jesus, and there are all these competing views of who Jesus is. I haven't had time to read it yet. I finished. Joe Posnanski's uh, book about the 100 greatest players in baseball. It was Jesus, you know, like the Babe Ruth of religious leaders, you know, the greatest of all time. <laughs> His book, by the way, is cool. He talks about the greatest players of all time, and he includes play players from the Negro Leagues that we don't really know much about except stories about them. I love a few of these. For instance, there was a guy named Cool Papa Bell. People said he was so fast, he would hit a wine drive up the middle, and as he would slide into second base, the ball would hit him. <laughs> he would score from first base on a sacrifice button. He was so fast. He was so fast. They asked him late in life if he regretted not being able to play in the white major leagues. Do you think he was born too early? He said, no, nah, I was born right on time. <laughs> I love that. Buck Leonard, one of the things they said about him was trying to throw a fastball past him is like trying to sneak the sunrise past a rooster. <laughs> it's Easter. You can't sneak sunrise past the rooster. Isn't good yesterday's weather subsided, and we got this uh, today. The thing about trying to sneak a person past God, 
you just can't sneak a person past God. God's too fast. God's too zealous. God's too, um, he covets all of our souls so much. I had a, Mon a conversation on Monday with our clergy. We do this sometimes. We read a theological book together, and we're reading uh, David Ford's work on the Gospel of John. And we're looking at the passage where John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I thought about that. When I was in college, my best friend would have said, that is absolutely the truth. Jesus is the way. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're just toast. And I, at the time, if you'd ask me as a college guy, you know, I would have said, well, I think all religions are really kind of the same. I don't know. I don't know why God would be so exclusive. And neither of those is like the, the deepest view. Neither of those is like the best that we can muster in our souls. Like, who is Jesus about? What is it about? You know, could it be that, that if you have to believe in Jesus, that means the vast majority of people who've ever lived, that God created, that God cherishes more than they cherish themselves, that the vast majority of people are lost? Like, that doesn't sound right. But then religions aren't all the same. Some religions are downright harmful. Some versions of Christianity are downright harmful. So if I think about what we've done this past week, uh, it tells us who God is, who Jesus is, what's peculiar about our faith that the Jews I was with the other night don't hold to. Although I have to say, you go to a Passover Seder, Jews have way more fun than Christians. It's just a thing. I, can't help it. What's peculiar about us is that we have the strange belief that uh, God entered into our fleshly realm. Jesus was God born right on time. I mean, you got to think about that. God taking on, it's a scandal. It's a thing a lot of people don't believe. God taking on flesh and having skin and having hungers and crying and laughing and sleeping, <laughs> doing all those things. I never thought about it. If I were God, that'd be a pretty good strategy to reach people, right? Because who we're trying to reach are people. People know about sleeping and laughing and crying and all those things. And see, with Jesus, it's not that there are ideas about Jesus or beliefs about Jesus or denominations about Jesus, buildings about Jesus. Jesus, what Jesus says is that, like, I am showing you the heart of God. I am showing you the mind of God. This is what is in God's heart. This is in what is in God's mind. Philip said, show us God and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said, this, this is what God looks like. And it's amazing. In God's heart, in Jesus, we see so much mercy. He touches the untouchables, especially the people that are wounded by life. He, he reaches around them. He embraces them. He lifts them. Uh, you know, in Joe Posnanski's book about baseball, it's amazing how many great baseball players had mean fathers. They were trying to cope with that. Roger Clemens, who was especially a great player, but maniacal, had a rage in him somehow. <laughs> they asked him one time, why do you play with so much rage? And Clemens said, I don't know why I play with so much rage. I've got everything a man could ask for. He said, well, except for a dad who ever showed up to watch me play. Isn't that interesting? God is our Father who always shows up to watch us play, who's always on our side. The question we might ask is, uh, can God bless people who don't know him, who don't believe in him? 
can God bless even them? I think we see this happening all the time. I remember when my mother was in her final months. She was blind, so she could not see me. I'm not sure she could hear me. She seemed terribly confused about absolutely everything, and everything I tried to do for her, she pushed back and resisted. Was she blessed by me? Yes. I paid her bills, I pulled up her covers, did everything that needed to be done for her. She wasn't asking for it. Can't say she deserved it in such a moment. Think about my children when they were little, like this one down here that was crying. You know, my kids, they'd you know, keep me up in the middle of the night. And, just, and they, they never, my, you know, my infant children, like at 3 in the morning, they never said, oh, thank you, Father. You were just so <laughs> lovely to me. Thank you. I, they, they never did that, but they were blessed by me without asking for it, without deserving it. Doesn't God do that kind of thing? In the book that we're reading and talking about on Monday, David Ford says this, when, when Jesus says, in my Father's house there are many rooms, here's what he says, my Father's house might just be unimaginably capacious. Even those most at home there might meet many surprises, especially other people they do not expect, and also other dimensions of truth. Oh, that's my word of the week, capacious. I haven't used the word capacious in years and years. It's a good word. It's roomy. It's big. God's house is big, and, and when we get to God's house, it's, it's just, it's, this is going to be amazing. Like, all the stuff you think you got figured out now, when you get to heaven, you're just going to chuckle at yourself. You're going to see somebody, and the two of you disagreed really strongly on political ideology, and you're going to look at each other, you're going to say, man, we whiffed on that one, didn't we? And we'll laugh and hug each other. Trust me, that's how it will be. There's all kinds of healing. I've told you before about a family funeral that I went to, and I saw the son of the woman that we had come to bury sitting in the family section, and there was um, pain, rigidity stamped indelibly into his face. He'd had a tough time with his mother. I did say at that service, hard as it may be to believe now, in our father's capacious house, he and his mother, their faces will be loosened and they will smile and they will laugh and they will weep for joy and embrace one another. So much healing, there'll be so many surprises. Who all is there? The people that we thought didn't believe the right things say, in God's good grace, they will be there. So many will be there. It will be so wonderful. Friends, I. I, mean, I don't know what to appeal to you today. It's Easter. I talked to another preacher this week, said, you know, you won't see these people again for a while. <laughs> so while I've got you, let me say I hope you uh, will trust me that in Jesus we see the heart and the mind of God, and it's so beautiful. It's so tender. There's so much mercy there, and you know that's what you're desperate for. I don't care how well you've done in life, how many loving people you have around you, or how many you don't. What you really need in life is just some mercy. <laughs> you, want, you want the force of the universe to look on you and say, ah, oh, you are beloved. I, I, you can't slip past me. <laughs> you were born at the right time in my heart. I will never let you go. I hope you believe that. Hope you'll follow that. Hope you'll be part of this great church. What a great church. What fortune. What good fortune is ours to be part of such a church. And it's not really because of all this. 
us because the good that we try to do in the world, we try to learn God together. We try to serve God together. We try to make a difference in the world. We, we try to be the kind of church where people look at whatever it is that we are doing and they say, hmm, there, there just might be a God of mercy. <laughs> because that's what they're looking for. Friends, I hope you'll believe it. I do. It's the greatest thing. So, friends, happy Easter. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us go to God in prayer together. The morning has come. The tomb is empty. Christ is risen. You are with us. Yes, indeed, in this life, there will still be pain, disappointments, betrayals in our world and in our lives. But your light will always break through, no matter what happens. Your presence moves deeper and wider than what our minds and our hearts can possibly see, hear, feel, or comprehend. You are right. You are right. Nothing can separate us from you, not even death. May we always remember this truth, this hope, hope that is here. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Spirit of the living God, Easter brings the good news that although things seem at times to get worse in the world, the evil one has already been defeated. Easter allows us to affirm that although at times our God seems very distant and although we remain preoccupied with so many little things, you walk with us on the road, and when we astray, you bring us back towards you Forgive us for our wandering ways, for neglecting your truth, and for forgetting your grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May we live our lives each and every day in light of Easter. May our words, our deeds, and our hearts only be comprehensible to the world in light of the resurrected Lord. Lead us and guide us always so that we can share this good news of Easter with your children, searching for light in the midst of their darkness. Grant us courage and give us patience to seek, to wait, to witness, to heal, and to love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Trusting in your resurrected and everlasting goodness, we pray with confidence the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, we give thanks for the goodness of our resurrected Lord and your continuous intentional generosity that makes the ministry of our church possible as the ushers come forward uh, we are reminded that our Easter offering will go to support our partnership 
with Habitat for Humanity and Faith Ministry. For this we give thanks. Let us read our morning tithes and offering.
Loving and gracious God, you're our giver of all good things in our lives. We offer a portion of that which you first given to us, that these gifts may be used to share your good news, to give light in the midst of darkness for all your people. Thanks be to God. Amen. risen. This is good news. Go forth as people of the resurrection with hearts filled with hope. Go now in peace. <laughs>